T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, happy off-season. Happy to be on. Good, man. Well, I wanted to talk to you about... um, Give me a moment. His name is Justin James Watt, uh, also known as many to as J.J. Watt, who was released yesterday, was granted his release by the Houston Texans. And um, almost immediately, this was sort of, a, a, I think, a move that all of us, um, not only in the media, but Bills fans, fans across the league, this was a move and a step that probably was very long in the making here, probably right towards the end of the season. Obviously, the turnover of Nick Kashiro coming in as the team's general manager, um, Jack Easterby sort of running things from a director of, uh, of football and a director of personnel perspective. Um, this move always was sort of in the cards. Now that it's happened, Ryan, like where do you stand on what J.J. Watt is as a free agent? And and I've been sort of talking at length this morning about the uniqueness of this offseason. And maybe in years past, Ryan, J.J. Watt has more suitors, has more teams that are maybe more contending suitors is the way I really want to phrase that. But with this year, with contenders like New Orleans, at um, you know, really New Orleans is the one team that sticks out to me as a team that is typically pretty aggressive in the free agency period that is really going to be focused on how to shed salary due to the reduced salary cap for this season. So with that said, what do you think the prospects of J.J. Watt going into this free agency period are? Is he a guy that's going to have multiple dozen teams going after his services, or do you believe that there's really going to be a handful of contenders that are really going to be biting for um, and potentially driving the cost up? Because that's ultimately the question here is, is there enough suitors to drive up the cost of a J.J. Watt, who, by the way, is going to be 32 when the season starts? Yeah, you know, the report yesterday was that a dozen teams have inquired about J.J. Watt. Now, inquiring is not the same thing as making a legitimate offer. It's probably just doing due diligence. What's he looking for? Um, what does he consider a contender? Because if you, if you go and look uh, at some of the things he said recently, some of, his, you know, some of the things that he liked recently, it's all about going to win a championship. And if that is his end game here, if that is his goal, I think you can narrow it down to a handful of teams that could each make and present their their very best offer, so to speak. And then from there, it's up to him to weigh, okay, I make the most money here, but this is a team that was made it this far last year. So, you know, you, know, you look around the league, and, and obviously Pittsburgh is the first team that just about everyone talks about because his brothers are there. And that would be a fun story, and I'm not saying that Pittsburgh can't win. Uh, but but they have some players that they're going to have to restructure, renegotiate some own, some of their own players that they have to re-sign. Uh, and then are they truly going, going to be in the mix this year based on their division, Baltimore Ravens? And, and obviously you have the Cleveland Browns both making the playoffs this past season. You have the Cincinnati Bengals that 
they're still not a playoff contender right now, but they have Joe Burrow. They can add some more pieces. That's a competitive division, and then you have Ben Roethlisberger, who really faded at the end of the season. So if the Super Bowl is his end game, I'm not sure that's a good spot for him. Green Bay was one play away from making the Super Bowl. They, they got all the way down there. Obviously, going back to Wisconsin, I think, would be something really big on his list. So I think they're there. But besides those two teams, I think Buffalo is truly in the mix if they are interested in the service uh, services. He, he fits from a culture perspective. He fits from what they need. They talk about being able to having to be able to get after the quarterback with their front four. And, uh, you know, if you look at the analytics behind his season, he did not have a great sack campaign, but he was still getting double teamed, and he still had a very high uh, pass rush win rate considering that. So I think that he would be a solid addition to this line. Now, if the Bills lose out on J.J. Watt, is all lost for their offseason? Absolutely not. There are some free agents out there that I think could bring just as much and, and possibly more to the team and maybe even save them some money. There's guys like Romeo Aquara, mm-hmm. uh, who had maybe one of the quietest 10-sack seasons of the year. 10 sacks, 18 quarterback hits, three forced fumbles, and he's only 25 years old. Uh, Spotrack says he's about he's going to get about $10 million on the market. And then maybe my favorite, and I know the sack numbers aren't going to match up, is Carl Lawson. Uh, five and a half sacks, but 32 quarterback hits last year in Cincinnati. And he's only projected to make about $8.8 million, according to Spotrek. So, you know, what name value, it's there uh, in terms of what he brings on and off the field. It is there. I think the Buffalo Bills are truly going to be in the mix for him when all is said and done. I, I think that they feel they are a few players away from being in the Super Bowl next year. And I think that he could close that gap. But at the end of the day, if he does not sign, there are, are other options out there. Before uh, any other position group I wanted to talk to you about today, Ryan, is the offensive line. And we'll do that in a minute. But sticking with this defensive line, I guess part of what I want to ask you here, and maybe this isn't a fair question for this Bills defensive line as it currently stands, but doesn't it just feel like at 32 – and the guys they have on this defensive line as it stands with, in particular, the guys that you know are going to be here under contract, Jerry Hughes, Starlet Tula to name the name the two. I mean, both those guys are 32 and 33, respectively, going into this next season. And I mean, those aren't young guys. And, and, and when you look at this Bills defensive line, part of the issue that I see with them maybe spending the, the necessary money to go and get a J.J. Watt, you're not getting him for one year. You're likely going to have to give the guy, I think at baseline, two years, potentially three years. And for me, Ryan, in, in order to do that, I, I think you're sacrificing the ability to bring in younger potential talent on this defensive line. And, and it's, for me, you're moving away. In order to get a J.J. Watt, you're likely going to have to cut, or at least at the very least, restructure a guy like Mario Addison, who is also 33 years old. Um, then you're looking at, okay, well, who else can you potentially cut to create some additional room on this defensive line? Is that Vernon Butler, who's still a younger guy, um, but making, I think, maybe a little bit more money than he's necessarily worth on the market. And then Quentin Jefferson is the other guy who I think offers you the most versatility on your defensive line. I don't really want to see a guy like Quentin Jefferson get cut. I'm more than comfortable restructuring. But ultimately, at the end of the day here, Ryan, what does J.J. Watt really bring to this team if to do so you have to get rid of a guy like Mario Addison and Vernon Butler? And are you able to, do you still have the flexibility to continue adding to that defensive line if you bring J.J. Watt? Because I don't think J.J. Watt alone is going to fix the problems that exist exist on that defensive line 
No, I agree with that completely. I think you'd have to address it further in the draft because you do need to get younger. Uh, in terms of what he can bring, you have to hope that he can bring along A.J. Epineza, help him develop him in his career, uh, maybe help him develop some of those players that are um, you know, still young developing. A guy like a, a Daryl Jensen that could still stick around in this roster. I know Mike Love's been on this practice squad for a few years now. You're hoping that he can help develop that next generation, but if there's still questions about that, those younger guys after A.J. Epineza, I think Epineza flashed as a rookie. I still think uh, there's, there's a high amount of upside there, and we've only seen uh, bits and pieces of what he can do. It, you're, you're right. It throws the future into question because then you're investing money in Watt. You have money invested in Hughes. You have money invested in Starla Tulay, and obviously the, the 2021 season that uh, rolls over from this past season when, when he opted out. So it does give you some pause there because, like you said, you want to make sure this team is uh, healthy financially but also trending in the right direction age-wise. And that's why I mentioned guys like Romeo Aquara, Carl Lawson, who might bring you just as much as why at this point in his yeah. career and are significantly younger. So those are the options you have to weigh. I think the Bills will do their due diligence, but they're going to have to be set at a price point that they're comfortable saying, if we bring you in for two years, uh, I would be hesitant to do a three-year deal personally. But if you can get them in for two years and you're comfortable with that rate, so be it. Uh, because then at the end of the day, he comes off the book sooner rather than later. But you're right. You're looking at, obviously, you would have to cut Mario Addison in, in this instance. I don't think it's a, it's a you can have both. He would have to go. Vernon Butler, uh, I'm with you on he's making too much money. There, there wasn't enough of an impact there. I like Quentin Jefferson. Uh, but, you know, you could even weigh that option. But at the same time, I think that a second offseason for Jefferson, the system having a full offseason, would, would help him out significantly. So I'm not ready to move on from him. But there's other cost-cutting moves you can make in other positions. You can get rid of Lee Smith's contract, and that saves a couple million dollars. And he's pondering retirement, so I wouldn't be shocked if that's the route they go. Uh, Tyler Medikevich, I, I think that uh, he performed well, but he, you know, there's about three million you could shed there. So they can maneuver, they can restructure contracts. Um, money can be created. If there's anything, you know, the, the team that you mentioned earlier, if there's anything that we learned from a team like the New Orleans Saints, is they, they, I feel like they've been pressed against the cap for the last decade, and yet every year they're making a big uh, free agent signing and kicking the can. Now, obviously, that's caught up to them, and they can't kick it any further, in my opinion, this offseason. But you, you can manipulate the cap to a certain extent. And I think that's the most interesting part about this, is talking about next year's, the Bills cap space as it currently stands, sits at around almost $100 million, and that's at the current cap space, uh, or the court, the current cap um, ceiling at $180 million. And I think we probably, if you and I, I know I agree with this, and i am be sure you probably agree, 2022's salary cap ceiling is likely going to be closer to 200 million than it is going to be to the 180 that the that the league is ultimately going to settle on for the 2021 season. So knowing that, you know, how much do you think Brandon Bean is willing to dip his toe into next year's salary cap um in order to maybe front load or or should I say maybe cash load some of these um potential free agents that they're going after this year and to sort of if that's question 1A, 1B would be how Maybe maybe this is a, a more of a broader question for you, Ryan. Which, 
I think we both agree the offense and defensive line are the two units on this team that need the most overhaul. And I think I think my argument is the offensive line probably needs the most overhaul from a depth and top of the roster perspective. I think the Bills, at least in terms of depth on the defensive line, I think they're fine depth wise. It's the top of the guys, or it's the sort of the the starters and the top of that room that that needs a little bit of makeover. But which of these positions, offensive and defensive line, do you believe the Bills can go into free agency saying, we're going to take care of this unit because there's the most out there in terms of depth and top of roster guys, and we believe that we can go into the draft and take care of a lot of issues on the other side? Like, Which of those units do you believe they go heavy in free agency to try to remake opposed to using the draft maybe? Uh, I, I think it would be defensive line in terms of going after them in free agency. Uh, you know, I, I will say that we, we had Joe Marino on a recent show, and he did say that the edge rusher 3 or 4 to edge rusher 15 are all pretty similar, so you can get some guys in those mid-rounds. But I, I don't know if you're uh, going to necessarily get an impact player in those mid-rounds at defensive uh, end or uh, even on the interior of that line. So I think in free agency is where you're going to find that pass rusher that has a track record, whether it's short-term like Aquara. Uh, whether it's spending even more money on some of these other players that, you know, you're talking $13, $14 million on average. I don't know if they're ready to go to that point with the cap salary, but Brendan Bean has been outstanding at his, the way he builds his contracts, uh, so I could see that. I think the offensive line, though, you could do during the draft, and, and actually in, one, in my most recent uh, mock draft, for instance, I had them getting uh, Notre Dame offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg. Um, and it doesn't have to be Eichenberg, but I think this is the year that in round one or round two, you need to attack the offensive tackle position mm. because you have Deion Dawkins signed to a big long-term deal. So you want that other spot to be on a rookie contract, yep. in ideal world, someone that can start. You know, I, I totally agree with you, Ryan. Totally agree with you. Offensive tackle. It could even be cornerback. And I, yeah. cornerback is not as much of a pressing need, but you have Trey White getting big money. So if there was ever a year to, to even look at the cornerback position, this might be the year. Mix them in with Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace. Uh, Buffalo has a history of signing a vet every offseason, whether you're talking Vontae Davis, E.J. Gaines, Kevin Johnson, Josh Norman. Um, so they could even go that route. But I, I think this is the year that you attack offensive tackle. Uh, it, in terms of play, it, it doesn't line up. But I would not be shocked if the Bills cut Mitch Morris post-June 1st designation and they re-sign Feliciano and give him a legitimate shot to play center. Now, is Feliciano an upgrade at center? No, he's not. And I don't know if we've seen enough snaps even say that he would be as good um, yeah. In, yeah, in that same realm as Morse. But I think there are legitimate concussion concerns in this front office about Mitch Morse. He lost his first season uh, offseason leading up to the regular season in Buffalo with concussion. He suffered a concussion this year, and not only did they keep him out, obviously, when he was in the protocol, they kept him out another game, and, and they said it was, oh, we wanted to give him that extra week, then they had the bye week, and that's fine. That, if that's what they want to say at the end of the day, that's fine, but I think they really wanted to see what they had in that offensive line because they were coming off of a strong performance running the ball against New England. They wanted to see, okay, can this offensive line get the job done without him, not just this year, but long term? Yeah. Feliciano has already pretty much gone on record saying, I expect to be in Buffalo next year. Um, which, you know, when you're a free agent, maybe that's not the best strategy to have, saying, I expect to be back. I, you know, I, it's just a matter of time. Um, but I think, that's, I think that's the move that they're going to make. They're going to save some money. They're going to cut Mitch Morris. They're going to have Feliciano in there. But if you don't want him at center, there's 
guys like uh, Quinn Meaners, uh, M-E-I-N-E-R-Z. I can't, you know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but he made some money for himself at the Senior Bowl. I think he's still a mid-round pick, though. He can, he has that guard center versatility. You have Ike Butker, who I thought performed well as the season went on. He's a restricted free agent. You bring him back. Uh, say what you want about Cody Ford, but Brendan Bean pretty much gave him the. We expect this guy to be starting next year, and I don't expect him starting necessarily at right tackle. I don't see it. I think he, they, they see him as a guard. So you have Dawkins. You have Ford that you're pretty much committing to. You bring Feliciano back in the mix. You bring Butker back in the mix. Then you just have that other tackle spot. And you can sign a lower-tier free agent, someone as a placeholder, someone that can be your swing tackle, um, you know, I don't want to throw any specific names out there, but you don't want to invest too much money in the guy, but someone that you're comfortable with in the situation that, okay, our guy in round one's not there, but we're going to draft someone in round two that can we can draft, develop, and mold to be that starter, whether it's in, as a rookie or year two. Um, but I just think that you can build the offensive line easier in this year's draft class than you can the defensive line. Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate joining me on the Western Hotline talking about the Bills' offseason plans. Our first offseason uh, episode here of Sports Talk Saturday, so we'll have plenty more of these as we move along the offseason. But, I, you know, Ryan, for me, I loved your point about <clears throat> understanding how to sort of spread the percentage of cap that you're 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 spending on one position and i think this is easily the argument against matt milano right is if you're the bills i everybody agrees you're better with matt milano no one's gonna no i don't think anyone anyways is trying to make the argument that the bills are somehow better with matt milano moving on but i think ultimately what it comes down to is the other guy it comes down to Tremaine Edmonds. He's 22 years old, and when he's likely going to re-sign that second contract, he's going to be 23 years old, which is three and a half years younger than Matt Milano. And for me, that means something. And whether or not you think one or the other is better, I just think that you're not going to end up spending $10-plus million on Matt Milano and then turn around a year later and give $10-plus million to Tremaine Edmonds and tie up, you know, Nine, ten percent of your salary cap to a linebacker position that I just don't think that I don't think that's smart cap allocation. And for you to point out the same thing at at, at offensive tackle and at guard as well, I think is a great way to sort of look at how you ultimately determine who and how these players get paid. And I love your I'm a big Liam Eikenberg fan. Obviously, you know, I, I'm a I'm a Notre Dame fan. I've sort of watched his career from his freshman year on. He's a guy to me, Brian, that can step in, walk in day one and play. And and I, I do find their position at 30, and I know Brandon Bean kind of came out and he sort of jokingly said, listen, you know me, it's going to be hard for me to just stay put at 30, whether that means he's going to be open to moving back or potentially moving up if a player drops. But I think they're in a particularly good position at 30, Ryan, looking at some of the clusters on big boards from 25 to 40, and there are a lot of good names, guys that are going to walk in day one and start for you, in particular at edge in the offensive tackle. This isn't a super deep edge or interior defensive line draft, but the guys at the very top started around 20. And, you know, does that mean, you know, that that, that uh, the Asai kid from Texas, the edge defender, he potentially falls to 30? Does Greg... 
does one of those Miami edge players, who I think are both really good potential developmental players, similar, but they win differently. The Rousseau kid um, from Miami, and then Jalen Phillips as well. Like Those guys are potential nice players at the edge that you could walk in day one and, and maybe count on it to be a starter. So at 30, Ryan, there's a lot of places they can go. I guess ultimately your offseason and over the next several weeks probably will indicate what the Bills end up doing at 30 because I, th- I think they're at a position where it's not like a draft the best available and it's very clear, you know, Travis Etienne or one of these running backs are going to be the very clear running away best player at 30. Like, I think they're going to have a really good pick of the litter at a bunch of different positions. I, I agree with that completely. And I actually love that they're sitting at 30 because that's a sneaky spot for another team that uh, wants a quarterback to, to trade up to because you get the fifth-year option. And with the quarterback position – uh, that's really important in today's day and age. So I think that Buffalo, when they're sitting there at 30, they're going to field some calls. There's going to be a quarterback or two maybe that are on the board that a team says, you know, they might fall into our lap at, at pick 30, uh, 35, 36, whatever the case may be. Uh, but we could get them in, at the end of round one and have the rights to that fifth-year option. If we can develop them properly, that's really important in today's day and age. So uh, I think the trade down is what's going to be on the table more than a trade up personally. But like you said, He's fallen in love with players in the past. He made two trades, uh, one in the offseason, one during the actual draft, to move up to get Josh Allen. He traded up to get Jermaine Edmonds. He's not shy about those things. But, yeah, he's going to sit there at 30 or whether they trade down, and you're going to look and say, okay, all things considered, we do want to go best player available. But if it's best player available and then our 1B is not only you know our next best player available, but he's also at a need position, then you probably go with that second option a little bit if all things considered are close. And you mentioned Matt Milano. Uh, I'm not ready to close the book on Matt Milano yet, but I don't think a long-term deal is in, his, is in the books in Buffalo. Now, in a normal year, I would have already said, you know, he's gone. He's gone. Yep. He's gone. Yep. But this year, with the salary cap, with the, the fact that a lot of teams are already going to be pressed against it, they have their own guys, they have their draft classes, uh, they may have some more pressing needs in signing a linebacker to a $14 million deal. It wouldn't shock me if Milano's market isn't what is anticipated. And if the Bills can get him back on a one-year deal for around $10 million, by all means, bring him back yeah. one year and say, hey, listen, you know the system, you know how you fit into the system, and then next year when the cap, like you just said, goes back close to $200 million, that's when you're going to cash in somewhere. That's where you're going to make your money. So maybe, maybe the, you know, the, the cap actually benefits the Bills. And I, and I think not just with Matt Milano. I think it could, could benefit them across the board in a lot of positions. You look at tight end. Uh, you, you look at the market there. There's going to be some big-name players that are going to get released um, that might be able to contribute in the short term. We mentioned uh, Kyle Rudolph on the show a few weeks ago. As Zach Ertz could get released. But then there, there could even be a limited market for some of these guys that are going to hit free agency. Gerald Everett, I would love in Buffalo. I think that he fits the mold. Me um, too, brother. <laughs> that is, that's my guy. Me and Greg. Me and Greg Thompson. Greg's going to join us at 1 p.m., and I'm going to let him know that you're on my team. Uh, listen, it's nothing against Jonu Smith, but I, I, I have been a Gerald Everett truther for the better part of the last few months, and I am, I'm ready to go all in on him. You know, and I have this big piece coming out early. It was going to be this weekend, but with all the J.J. Watt talk, I'm pushing it to probably Monday. I have this whole um, layout of my ideal offseason, what I would do if I were the Bills. And Everett's my tight end number one, just because I think Johnny's going to make a little bit too much. I think 
Yeah, Everett's funny because uh, he's a name that I followed too, but I thought he was older than what he Me too. Up his age. I said, oh, wait a minute. That really fits what I'm looking for then. And, I, you know, Rudolph's not in the same tier as a Gerald Everett or John U. Smith, but for a helping Dawson Knox get to where he needs to be, he could help in that regard. Uh, not, the same, not the same mold as a Gerald Everett. There's even, you know, a Dan Arnold in Arizona. I, I, I was tracking him a little bit. I like his, uh, how he performed this year. Not in the same tier, but if you're looking to, you know, looking to add a vet that isn't going to cost as much, he is intriguing to me as well. But Gerald Everett's my go-to guy at that position. And I think maybe you could get him for a reasonable rate. So the way it's going to work out this year, you know, teams are going to have to get creative in their contracts. But if there's one thing that Brandon Bean has shown, that that's his forte. He, he can get guys signing underneath what you expected them to sign for first and foremost. And then the way he builds the contracts, uh, there's usually an out in them after one or two years where it's not going to hurt the bills too much in terms of dead cap. So I'm really interested to see how this all plays out. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate the insight. Uh, you and me will be doing this far more often as the offseason uh, you know, sort of barrels on. So looking forward to it, man. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ryan Talbot there in New York Upstate joining us on the West Her Hotline. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 